I've heard of a dead economy, but a dead podcast? You're listening to The Run. Hi, hello. How are you doing? It's been a long time, but it's back. The Run, a comic book podcast about comic book runs, be it characters, creators, or sagas. And with me in spirit, as always, Jonathan Kovacs. How are you, sir? Surviving the pandemic, you know, as always, like all everybody else out there. Or dying. Some people aren't surviving the pandemic and actually dying from it. Yeah. Yeah, you know. I'm wishful thinking, helpful thinking here. Yeah, yeah. Wishful thinking. And on the other side of the uh, planet, Christopher Boyce, how you doing? I'm fantastic. I wouldn't say the planet, but uh, yeah, it's uh, sunny Oregon right now, but I'm stuck inside. We're we're all stuck inside, as you know, at the time of recording. Uh, some kind of coronavirus thingy is going on, and everyone's inside. If you're surviving and listening to this, you probably heard of it. But we don't want to be too doom and gloom. After a bunch of uh, tech issues we had and then scheduling issues, we finally were able to come back. I apologize for the long wait. Going forward. For so, our five, uh, yeah, five, uh, five listeners. people to listen to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, going Three forward, of them are uh, talking about it right now. <laughs> going forward, we're, I was thinking of doing something to the effect of maybe doing like, a, like, a, like we do with Rob Liefeld's Young Blood, like a one shot of just if all three of us can't get together, we'll just read some small little book that doesn't constitute for a run like – I've always been praising Mr. Miracle, but I don't think we're going to be doing a Tom King miniseries anytime soon. So something like that. However, we're, we have been reading the age of apocalypse for a while now. Um, before we get into this, this, since the mixer corrupted our recordings for the most part in the last two recordings, uh, especially that gambit one, was there anything you guys wanted to say that I kind of didn't put into that very small mini episode? Uh, I'd have to go back and re-listen to it. Because I don't remember. All I remember is that, surprisingly, how much I wanted to hate that book, and it was actually one of the better stories so far. I, I've said everything that I want to say about those books, I guess. Yeah, I think the best thing about that entire Gambit book was the fact of your opening that got corrupted, which was, it's a Gambit book, which <laughs> it, it, it says it all right there. But today... We aren't just going to do one book like we did prior to make up for lost time. We are doing four, but don't worry. Hopefully, this won't be like eight hours long. We're doing Factor X by John Francis Moore, Steve Epting, and Terry Dodson, which took over from the X-Factor book. X-Men by Jeff Loeb and Steve Scross, which took over Cable. Excalibur, which took over Excalibur by Warren Ellis, Ken Lashley, and Roger Cruz. And then finally, there was a little mini book called X Universe by Scott Lobdell, Terry Cavanaugh, and Carlos Pacheco was on art. We can go over Factor X first. Factor X essentially was a book that had Cyclops and his brother Havoc become what are called prelates, which are top cops. They, they, they throw rank all over the place in these books, like titles and ranks and stuff. It does kind of lose its meaning, but these are Apocalypse's most trusted upper guys that aren't horsemen. This book goes into family drama like all Scott Summers and Alex Summers books. It was a giant dick measuring contest between Alex and Scott. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty much the best way to put it. Scott realizes, this is a, now in the other books as well, this is one thing that I've noticed. In every single one of these books, someone realizes that, oh, this is bad, and they defect to the good side. This is starting to become a constant thing in all these books. There's someone that's going to defect to the good side, and with this one, it's scott of course because you know he's the boy scout it's very wordy too i don't know about you guys but this book was just i i would just scroll through it real quick and it's just words 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 it, it would put bendis to shame i think yeah it was really long to be honest i didn't like that 
Cyclops per se became good in it. I like the way that the Bedlam brothers kind of became good only because like they were like, well, you know, we were kind of, we were cool with being like dicks and being bad guys, but this is taking it too far. And so we're just going to fight, fight the power. Basically. I liked what the way that they went about it, but I did like that. It was like, honestly, the whole time Alex was just so, like you said, dick measuring contest and was like just about to try and get one up his brother the whole time. And honestly, Scott was like, I really don't care about your, your attitude problem. I'm just, trying to figure out the moral dilemma i'm in myself you know yeah scott realizes what's going on here and he's trying to save slaves that apocalypse has in their little slave pens or whatever and he's slowly getting them out one group by group and alex finally figures this out and sees them and catches them and tries to usurp them for power that way usurp usurp what i always read that word i think it's usurp i don't know who usurp usurp there it is yeah yeah usurp man i'm a fucking idiot it goes out of its way to just do Summers versus Summers again. The art is very dirty in a Jay Lee type of way. When I was reading this book, I it was it was just a lot of tell not show because there was just so much word bubbles, and I thought a lot of them were just like or thought bubbles or whatever. And it's just like I'm doing what the panel is showing me doing. And it's like why is this even here half the time? And it just feels like. Marvel was like, hmm, what's our most popular franchise? X-Men. What's making the most money in comics right now? Image. Well, let's mix them together. And that's this book. Yeah, it, it definitely suffers from 90s syndrome with their outfits where they are they got the Rob Liefeld uh, snorkel headsets on as well as the, the pouch belts and whatnot. They also, I think a problem with these books in general is they decide to throw way too many characters into a four issue miniseries. You mentioned the uh, Bedlam brothers, Jonathan, which were part of the EMF, the elite mutant force. That's Cyclops's team, which consisted of him, them, North star, Aurora, the Guthrie's cannonball and page, I think. No, it's not page. It's, um, or is it, which one's a husk? That's page. Husk isn't one. uh, No. Yeah. So page isn't on that team. Page is on uh, generation next. I don't even know which I forget they remember we can look it up but they reference her name but I don't even know if she's actually in the regular X-Men books but it is their other sister who basically can grow big and strong like um, Giganta from DC and they're barely in it for the most part I mean the Bedlam brothers are in it for a bit Aurora and Northstar almost nowhere to be found it needs to be cleaned up a little bit the other books like Excalibur and X-Men that we're going to say in a sec here they also throw way too many characters in here that you do not give a shit about when they get dispatched or they go away or whatever this book essentially ends on a big nothing burger saying to be continued into X-Men Omega well they all do that yeah they all do it but some of them are clean like Generation Next was very clean with its ending whereas this one is just like to be continued between Havoc and Cyclops because Cyclops defects and runs away yeah I really also the, the one thing I really hate about this book i mean in they kind of are doing it again now but like i like that they addressed whenever gene was a prisoner of the slave pits and like her interaction with cyclops earlier on yes but then she basically shows up after leaving wolverine over in weapon x you know she becomes a character in this book and then her and scott they don't get involved but it just plays on the whole gene and scott thing from the regular timeline and like i just i don't know that just bothers me like i don't need it i don't i didn't need that at all i don't need those two characters back together i hated that they did that that's the one thing i really didn't like about this book honestly i actually like well you say that they used to make characters but i think it's i enjoy that in all these stories they showcase heroes and villains in different lights all because of apocalypse taking over earlier on and 
it just shows you it's just interesting to see different people what way they would swing whether good or bad depending on just one little factor in life you know I, I actually enjoy that these books have a lot more characters than I guess you would like personally that's yeah I mean that's fine to see them in different lights and that's I mean that's what makes a good alternate universe book when they're literally on panel for maybe I don't know four four pages if that and they have no intrinsic value to the story it just feels like a waste where you could flesh out your story a little bit more there was also another thing where we mentioned in the past angel has this neutral bar for mutants to go to called heaven and he's kind of a player in this book where the emf team goes to relax and r and r and there's also a uh, singer there but she's human and Alex has relations with her, plays off that whole like humans and mutants interacting behind closed doors and stuff like that and not being allowed to do that, but getting away with it. They kind of touch on those type of race relations in a way. I, I enjoy that at the, by the end of it, you find out that she's actually pregnant with his baby and then she's a agent for the what World Human Council, whatever it is. Yeah. And and by the end of it, she ends up getting arrested and all this stuff. And Alex is like, ah, nope, nope, not mine. Don't care. Nope, nope, yeah. nope. He comes off as a real bastard in this book, which is appreciated. Uh, most of the villains in all these books are throwaway or very dumb. But Alex might be one of the few foils in this book that I think he might be better than Apocalypse, to be honest, so far. I mean, one of the biggest problems with this crossover I have so far, besides throwing too many characters at me at once, is the fact that Apocalypse is doing absolutely nothing but sitting around and soliloquying. Apocalypse is uh, a very bizarre in this i think he's such a cool villain if done right few have read the house of x or powers of 10 that has recently come out by hickman he did apocalypse really well where he's just all about survival of the fittest and he's all powerful and they're trying to make him this big villain so it's like why is he even wasting his time with like treaties between humans and shit it's just very bizarre well when you read it i mean he he is doing he it's all a lie just to kill the humans once you get down to the treaty imagine that though that's the one thing that kind of i didn't understand with throughout this book is the the humans all left to europe and the mutants took over north apocalypse took over north america and they're trying to get this treaty barter even though they know that apocalypse's whole creed is survival of the fittest and he doesn't care and he's nuked almost everyone in america why would they think he would sign that agreement that's a running thing throughout the entire thing of a peace treaty between the humans and mutants and it just it just seems like it's pointless i don't know yeah but no i agree with you chris that unfortunately apocalypse he's again he's my favorite x-men villain i mean there's still a lot of good stuff in this well you know i don't, don't want to say good stuff in this but you know this is a you know one of the key moments they say in x-men the comics history because it was such a radical idea what they did but you know yeah you really don't get to see him do too much he finally does a bunch of he kind of shows up a lot more in the regular x-men books amazing x-men and astonishing x-men but like you said he's mostly just in the background talking all the time it reminds me of now i've since we've been off the air right? me and my wife have gotten into jojo's bizarre adventure and there's a character named dio in there he's the big baddie they talk him up the entire time you never really see him until like the final few episodes and he lives up to the hype i suppose but this reminds me a lot of that where apocalypse is just walking around his own little room and talking to whoever and yelling at whoever but not really doing anything we do see I don't know if it's in this book, but we do see him. Uh, apparently, he's kidnapped Magneto in the X-Men books proper. So 
that's something to look forward to. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. And it's like, again, it's one of those things that, like, we get this four-issue shot of basically the end of his reign. You know, we got those other uh, X-Men books we did previously. Uh, what was it? Tales of the... When it, when it was, uh, right whenever Apocalypse first showed up, and then uh, the other one whenever we had uh, oh, whenever yeah, yeah. Wolverine and Jean Grey left the X-Men. Yeah, and honestly, like, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, I really wish I would rather read all the stuff that happened before this. I want to see when everything, like, yeah, like you said, like, how did Apoc- like, Apocalypse going around and actually being a badass and, like, encouraging people to join him? Or, right. and just how all these, again, they show Gene and Cyclops fighting each other in the one flashback scene. But it's like, I want to see whenever Wolverine saved her from the pens and got his hand blown off and stuff you know it's i want to see that stuff you want to see the stuff that happens in the shit not the fallout and trying to get back from that yeah and again that's this is how many years afterwards i mean because again when you read this at the time you thought it was cool but now it's like i really want to read all the back i really want to see all the stuff of whenever how apocalypse came to power and took over everything and you know in the beginning who chose whose side because we know Sabretooth was originally on apocalypse's side and he switched over to magnetos and all this other you know i want to see all that stuff and I think that's going to, that would be really, if it, if it was written well, that would be really, really good. But the, co- the, the coolest thing about a zombie movie or, or of some sort is always the, the initial outbreak. Everything after that's kind of boring and old hat. I feel the same way about this. I want to see yeah. Apocalypse fucking stuff up on day one and day two, not year three or whatever. It should have literally started like right as soon as Xavier quote unquote died because I'm mixing this up with Days of Futures Past, where there's an assassination. No, there's this one. Days of Future Past. Okay, yeah, it's it's been a while, but you know, fucking the whole cause of this is uh, on the blank. Legion shot, yeah, Legion getting shot. Yeah, no, not Legion getting shot. Legion killing Xavier. Right. Oh, yeah. So not just like starting from like right there, and then throughout all the years to see how the X-Men formed after that without Xavier and all this stuff. The lead up to the Age of Apocalypse while it's happening would be a much more interesting story than what we're getting. Well, yeah, you're right, but at the time it was that was in the past and these books basically took place in the current same, you know, along the same present timeline, you know what I mean? That's yeah. why it was what it was. We, you, you know, what you said just said is what we were saying. What, what we want is all that stuff right after Xavier actually died. That's what we want to read. So yeah, exactly. There's really not too much more to say about Factor. Oh, uh, Dark Beast is in this as well. He's done pretty well. I liked Dark Beast before, but this is essentially brother versus brother. Cyclops becomes a goody two shoes and leads a resistance. We've seen this story a bajillion times. Huh. Here's another thing about Dark Beast and the whole treaty bullshit is that. There's a part where I, th- I want to say it's Cyclops is talking to Dark Beast. He's like, hey, you can't do these experiments. It's against the treaty. And it's just like, what? Yeah, exactly. What? Why? Like, how would Who's going to stop him? Exactly. Yeah. The, the treaty thing is very dumb. Yeah, and again, it's like the fact that Cyclops is like, well, I'm on Apocalypse's side, but we're supposed to follow this. And it's like, no, you're literally surrounding yourself with the most despicable people in Apocalypse's organization. And you actually think they're going to listen to you by saying, and we're not supposed to do that anymore. You know, seriously. <laughs> it's just, no. I could see him changing morally, but, like, I just, the fact that he wrote him as, he, he would not have survived as long as he did the way that he did or anything. You know what I mean? It just, I, I, his, I hate, his character's horrible. He was not fit. Overall, I gave this a five. 
It was okay, but it way too wordy. Uh, like I said, too many characters, personally, for me. It's fine. It's one of the better books, I think, so far that I've read in this. But that's also not really saying much. So what about uh, you guys? I'd give it a six. Because like, I thought that the brother versus brother story was actually... I, I like the actual drama and just how much they made uh, Havoc such an asshole and such a bad guy. I thought that was good. So I give it a six. I will give this one a three because oh. I didn't really like it. <laughs> wow. Um, on the, it's mostly because of the whole redesigns and what we really saw was mostly just Cyclops and Havoc. So perfect segue into X-Men. This has some pretty cool redesigns. Yeah, what did you like about X-Men? I really liked Forge. He's essentially a robot man at this point. Yeah, it was fucking cool. You had Omega Blue, and then you had Grizzly, who at first I thought was Juggernaut, but it was... Yeah, it Grizzly. Was, like, I'm Grizzly. Grizzly's actually but, a character in Grizzly. Is it the story Yeah, and I was... That's what yeah, I was he, thinking. He's, I was in, like, uh, I don't think. he's in the six-pack or whatever at Cable's Water team. He was one of the ones from our life out, your life out test, wasn't he? That's right. Oh, I, I, dude, I, 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 when we did that Liefeld test, there was like twenty fucking characters, or even more than that. But yeah, there, Chris is also right. There is a Spider-Man guy named Grizzly as well. Yeah, that's who I initially thought it was, uh, but then I remembered. Um, so they have all these cold redesigns. Toad's in it. He looks really different. But my favorite is Sauron because he looks exactly the same, but yeah. they gave him little <laughs> devil horns. Yeah. Uh, they also renamed him Soar on. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, uh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, S O R. Yeah, yeah, the spelling's different. Yeah. <laughs> I do like that they don't want to do anything. They just want to get by and they're traveling minstrels essentially, where they just do yeah. plays and stuff like that. They don't want to fight. They don't like apocalypse as bullshit. So they just they said they, they hang around in Kansas and Nebraska because no one hangs out there, which is kind of a shock <laughs> to them, but it's true. I mean it's it's sounds legit to me. The Pacific Northwest is what, a fucking nuclear war zone and Manhattan looks like a giant furnace. Like, why would you want to live there? Age so, of Apocalypse would be a shitty place to live in. X-Man is replacing the cable title, so he is also named Nate Gray, and we find out that he is the genetic makeup of Scott and Gene and Mr. Citizen, just Mr. Citizen. <laughs> Mr. Citizen. Mr. Sinister. <laughs> Mr. Citizen. Mr. Sinister scraped their genetic materials and created him in one of their experiments. That's essentially what he is. And he has all the powers of Gene Gray and Cable, essentially. That's the only way I can really put it. He, he, he figures out his powers pretty fast. It's a coming-of-age story because he knows he has a few powers here and there like he can telekinetically do stuff but he can't fly yet he, he finds out how to fly later but forge is de facto father for a while until he gets 86 by some weirdo named essex okay yeah that's just that's that was like i like how they did the whole essex thing like who is essex yeah it's I, like it's mr sinister i wonder <laughs> at the time if that was was that was that something everyone knew at the time his name was nathaniel essex jonathan i think i think yeah essex, i think so as the reader knew, I, I, again, I don't know if it was at the time, but like, you know, we obviously knew who it was. He has the fucking diamond, but it, obviously the characters don't, so. I don't think even now, I mean, the fact that we know his name's Nathaniel Essex, I, we know that as the readers. I don't even know if that's even like common knowledge in books for characters now that that's his real name, you know what I mean? But like you said, we we know that that's him, especially because of the, the, the diamond on his forehead. Yeah. And it's just the way it's written, it's like, it's trying to like... It doesn't tell you that it's him and trying to make it a mystery, but it's just so fucking obvious. Just because we, you know, it's 
we're looking back at it and we have a lot more story between now and then that we've read. Well, I think um, it had to have been obvious for any reader. If you if it wasn't, you were I don't know, like, <laughs> a term where you're not allowed to use because now it's considered. Uh... No, go ahead, cancel yourself. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. Um, but you know, yeah, he shows up at the end of the first book basically, and then. Um, well, he shows up with knowledge about an apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. And like then, some traveler that just wants to get together with Forge and his merry band of actors. Yeah, and because what ends up happening is, like, he's in the in the first issue of Factor X. He's there. But then by the end of the book, he blows up his secret lab inside of the Apocalypse Liberty Island statue. Yeah, you're talking about And then Mr. basically Sinister. right after that, yeah, Mr. Sinister. And then right after that, uh, he shows up basically over in X-Man at the end of the issue when the uh, band of brothers are traveling down the road. So This book also throws a few too many extra characters. They have Siren show up. She develops her mutant powers on the fly when they get attacked by Apocalypse's army. It, she wasn't really needed. She was just another body there. She didn't really do anything for nate or the rest of the team unless i miss something uh same with mastermind mastermind is the illusionist of their group who just shows up to get murdered sounds about right there's a character named brute i don't know who the hell that was i didn't know if that's some oc or i just a very Um, small x-man character i don't know i actually have my old uh cards here i could reference that oh god (laughs) well no because there's this one i mean right after when this came out they had the one set and i'm thinking it might have been a character from the nasty boys but I'm not oh, sure. Okay. I guess that kind of makes sense because Brute is also, he's just this muscle man who's very dumb because he was tested on by Mr. Sinister and he realizes who this Essex character is later. And what's funny about that is, like you guys said, he looks clearly like Mr. Sinister and he says, oh no, I guess my shape-shifting power wasn't good enough to fool everyone. It's like, motherfucker, you have the Mr. Sinister eyes and the diamond on your head still. Why are you doing this? Yeah. You wanted to be caught. Yeah, like- yeah, exactly. Uh, no, he wasn't part of the Nasty Boys unless he was a different character. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they rename characters all the time, but he could have just been, like you said, he was, he finally figured out who it was because he said he was tested on at the pet pin or the pits. So he, right. you know, they had a couple other throwaway characters that are just new. It might have just been that. Yeah. The only reason Apocalypse finds out about all this is because X Man, Nate, does like a big telekinetic blast and it spikes on his radar and he sends domino off to kill him which fails miserably of course because no one can actually put up a fight in these books it's someone shows up and gets killed or someone shows up to kill someone else there's never really a fight i think aside from alex versus scott there really hasn't been any and maybe wolverine and uh or not wolverine i'm sorry weapon x and donald what's his face from the weapon x book i can't remember his donald name. pierce yeah donald pierce like those are the only two fights that actually did anything more than a couple pages or rivalries i should say yeah the x well the nate x-man versus mr sinister was drawn really fucking cool um where he like shoots the blast and and like Mr. Sinister's body like wraps around it all weird and stuff and they throw a few blows in the fourth issue. Yeah, Steve Scross is a hell of an artist. I don't know what the hell happened to him. He has a weird, muscly, puffy style that works. He, he yeah. Did. yeah, that's the one thing I like about this book. That's like one of my favorite things is his artwork is really unique and it it's I think it's really cool personally. I, I just like the uh, like his style. At least I don't know what it looks like now, but back then it was I really liked it. I'll have to I'll have to look him up sometime. I he did 
Amazing Spider-Man after Peter came back after the whole clone thing and did a pretty good run with him doing a thing with actually X-Man shows up for a little guest spot as well as the resurrection of Dr. Octopus. So Yeah, because he stayed on because X-Man was one of the books that continued on after this X-Men Omega. Yeah. And he kept on, he stayed on, I don't know how many issues, but it, yeah. yeah, his art is one of the best things about it. Uh, and honestly, for a Jeff Loeb book, it's actually not as bad as other Jeff Loeb books. Yeah, Amazingly, I, I was thought. just about to say, Jeff Loeb, this is actually one of Jeff Loeb's better books that he's done, surprisingly, in my opinion. In my opinion, it's one of his best contributions to a big crossover event. He's very loathed and loved at the same time out of comic books. Yeah, this was this was one of his better contributions in general. You knew it was a Jeff Loeb book right away if, if you've read or hate read as much as I have when the opening line is, for, straight from Terminator, come with me if you want to live. He puts that in almost every single book he writes. I don't know if you guys ever noticed that, but there's an Easter egg for you. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, the one thing I do want to comment on is the fight between Caliban and Toad. I really enjoyed because they were like commenting on how much fun it was to, because um, they were basically swashbuckling with swords and they were just commenting to each other how nice it was that they were both eloquent gentlemen that could converse well and then also fence well and i thought that was a fun i mean it was a three three panel fight basically but it was just it was funny that they put it in there and i enjoyed that the way that they were bantering with it back and forth yeah grizzly just immediately eats toad and that's the end of it yeah towards the end of this book we before essex is revealed to be mr sinister and what mr sinister wants to do is he doesn't believe in survival of the fittest he just believes in the next evolution of homo superior mutant kind and all Apocalypse cares about is death now. So that's why Mr. Sinister kind of left. He still wants world domination, but under a different umbrella. I don't even know if he still wants world domination. He just wants to, he just likes being a mad scientist is all. Well, he Apocalypse wants to, at this, I guess. But he said in the beginning, Apocalypse was cool with the fact that with his experiments and trying to just keep going with experiments. At this point, somewhere Apocalypse fell off his rocker and just decided to blow everything up and he just doesn't he's like if there's nothing left i can't experiment what's the point in that you know so yeah. but once he's revealed he gets into a fight with nate and convinces nate towards the end of the fight that you have to defeat apocalypse this is what you were created for because of how bad he is nate beats him in a fight and he actually unless he shows up in x-men omega dies he dies by getting punched to death which is really weird for Mr. Sinister of all people. No, he doesn't show back up in the Maximum Omega. All right, so yeah, he, he's dead. Like, there wasn't anything brutal, like no fist through the chest or anything like that, or even giant tele... I mean, Nate was on telekinetic fire or whatever, but uh, he just punched him in the chest several times, and all of a sudden he's, like, bleeding profusely like he was just stabbed multiple times. I don't know. Well, it said that in the issue, it says that Nate uses so much kinetic power, telekinetic power, he, he punches him, like, uh, I forget uh, why how they describe it, but he's like punches them like like the hardest that anybody's ever been like right. you know stronger than a Hulk could have punched somebody basically. Right. And I think it's supposed to show you internal bleeding and, and Sinister's like, huh, strange, because I guess at this point he thought he like is the fact that he was able to like I don't know like whenever the he shoots him with the telekinetic ability, if he actually shoots him and his body's reforming or if his he's like morphing around it when it shows that fight earlier. Yeah. Um, but he's he's just like strange. I, I didn't think I could bleed. And maybe it's he's like he passes out basically saying maybe I can't actually die. And so because Sinister is supposed to be like almost a mortal character. And the only 
the only weakness I know of that he actually has, I believe, is to either Scott or Alex Summers' uh, optic blaster, his, uh, whatever Alex has. Like, something about their ability, he's weak to their mutant ability. I thought that was just a cartoon thing yeah. only, but I would trust you. I think that's... I th- I think that's actually well. I, at the time, I think that was also in the comics. Uh, that that was his, one of his only other weaknesses. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, anything else about X Men for you guys? Just note uh, that uh, Sauron and well, her name's not uh, Siren. What's her called? Teresa. Yeah, it's not. They don't call her Siren. Siren in this, they call her something else. But they're both alive by the end of the book. Uh, I mean, I guess this was this was like the first ever. Nate Summers X Man, right? Correct. Yes. So I mean I think that's a pretty good start. Uh an introduction to his character and what he's gonna bring to the table with the rest of the event and for years to come, I guess. By the end of the book, freaking he shows back up and he runs back to New York because uh in Factor X X Man does. Because okay. in Factor X they mentioned that Scott and Gene ran into him. And that was at the end. And then so at the last issue of X-Man, he runs into those two. And then I think Gene figures out that he's like their genetic kid, genetically their kid, but, you know, he was grown. And then by the end of it, you see he's like climbing up Apocalypse's tower to basically fight Apocalypse. Because in the, the last issue of Factor X, they mentioned that they ran into him, that, that Gene and Scott mentioned they run into X-Man as well yeah so. there's there's a little bit of crossover between x-man and factor x towards the end of their respective issues uh i really don't have anything else to say about this i give it a six it's pretty clean for the most part with jeff Loeb of all people writing this and a coming of age story where nate realizes how powerful he really is and actually gets to harness his powers and then just becomes kind of a sort of chosen one i, I guess against apocalypse but nothing great nothing terrible but fun, good art. Art helped out a lot too. So yeah, six for me. Uh, I give it a seven because I think it's actually a pretty decent. I mean, aside from the fact that uh, the the end of it is him climbing up the uh, tower, I thought it was actually a pretty self-contained story, and uh, the art's good. And you know, you again, you complain about the characters, extra characters, but a lot of them I actually enjoyed. So yeah, I will also go with a seven. Pretty much same reasons. The characters showing up was cool. Good start for a sort of new character, a uh, new take on a new character who's very popular. I think that was a bold move, you know, because Cable is still pretty fucking cool at this point, right? Oh, yeah, he's a top seller around this time still. Yeah, so to put a new take on him and cross it over, and yeah, I would say it's a seven. Okay. Uh, up next, we got Excalibur, written by Warren Ellis, and like I said before, art by Ken Lashley and Roger Cruz. Chris, you said before that you are the biggest Warren Ellis mark out of all three of us. What did you think of this book? <laughs> Interesting, I guess. <laughs> Is that you being nice? That's me being nice. I didn't really enjoy it that much. I, I also um, personally did not like this book at all. Yeah, it just it felt weird for this event just like to throw in the magic and i like i know why they want to do it i know why it makes sense from previous continuities and whatever it just didn't really i don't know i just didn't really like it that much and there's like a panel with nightcrawler and mystique where it's just like 
mom and it's like weirdly sexually drawn it's just like why the art is really not great lashley's gotten better but much like uh who was it in gambit salvador la roca i think it was maybe I think yeah it might have been him where his art was just atrocious oh no no no, it wasn't him it was uh tony daniel tony daniel his art was just really bad back then which has now gone on to be amazing but i feel the same way about lashley here everyone is very blocky and constantly staring at the reader like everyone's just standing straight forward pose at the reader nonstop or looking at the reader was this a precursor to the office yeah yes it was a precursor to the office <laughs> um, here's here's the plot magneto needs destiny the mutant destiny who's a precog to make sure bishop is telling the truth that's it so he sends nightcrawler off on like a sneaking mission to go get her but she is in the i guess city town whatever they want to call it safe haven of avalon which is what the savage land is that's it but it's essentially nightcrawler stuck on a boat for two issues kind of sexually talks with his mom and ends up in avalon and that's it nightcrawler on a boat is most of this book yeah there was like some cool things about it and i think this i don't know it, it like you said it's it just it's, it's weird like when Nightcrawler is like, I don't know, they, I think they make Nightcrawler kind of a badass. Like whenever he, uh, what, he's is it James? Is it, what's that? He's an edgelord in this because he's like, don't talk about God. Well, yeah, like I, I like how that, like honestly, he hates religion because unlike the regular books where he like came back to it, like he, after uh, early on in Germany, whenever he was always chased by the church and stuff, he basically hates the church. So I like that. Uh, I liked whenever he basically ripped off James, was it James Proudstar's finger? Yeah, whenever he, he pointed it at me. Yeah, like, it's not, cool. He does it again with uh, Dead Man Wade's head. So I like how he's like such a vicious killer, honestly. I think they make him pretty awesome by vicious he is with his teleportation ability. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, but then it just turns, it just goes weird with, what's the one name's character's name? Like whenever Danny Moonstone's terrorizing Dead Man Wade. Deadpool, yeah. And then apocalypse says okay you're gonna you know you were originally supposed to do recon on avalon now you're gonna basically attack and destroy it and the one girl like loses it and just like kills moonstone for no reason and then as soon as they get to avalon she's like everything's alive i've never known that there was like still like plants alive and stuff and she like changes sides just because there's grass and it's like what yeah, it's it's and then person defecting, like I said. They, they accept you know, and then Nightcrawler accepts her, and I'm like, really? Like yeah. you should just been like, so what the fuck? And then he should have like completely killed her. Yeah, it's people. Which I guess, they, yeah, I guess they needed her in the end because then uh, Shadow King shows up and causes some havoc. Yeah, a literally blah, blah 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 blah. Shadow King showing up was just a literally like, who fucking cares, man? This is the fourth issue, and the big bad shows up. Have you guys played Final Fantasy VIII or Final Fantasy IX? Nine, yes. All right, if you guys can remember, in both of those games, the bad guy or the goal or the antagonist or whatever completely switches like in the last couple of hours, and just this new big bad shows up out of nowhere, and you're just like, who? What? I don't, I don't fucking care about this person. It's the same thing here. It's just the Shadow King mm -hmm. just shows up with like 14 pages to go, and it's just, why do we care about this? He's not really. I mean, no one cares. So uh, when it comes to Nightcrawler, honestly, like. If it if it's not like Nightcrawler written by Chris Claremont, there's never really been like an impact. I maybe that's just me not being such a big fan of the character. Not that I hate Nightcrawler, but I just like couldn't get into it. But there's like a lot of cool shit that was in this book. He becomes this version of Nightcrawler, the Age of Apocalypse. Nightcrawler becomes 
a lot deeper of a character whenever uh, Remender writes him for uh, Uncanny X Force. And we'll get to that later. I'm not going to spoil that, but he becomes a more interesting character later on. I think again, it's it's the extreme. There are the extreme X Men. You know, Magneto doesn't care about killing people as long as he's protecting the innocents. You know, they're bad guys. They they made their choice. Get rid of them. What do I care? You know what I mean? So I I like you know he he uses his power in a unique way, and he's like, oh, I'm going to take that finger off. Oh, I'm going to take that head off. I'm going to do this and do that. You know, it's I think it's pretty cool. I think that's the like the Warren Ellis coming out in the book is him using like the powers in a cool way, and then just like different cool shit like the, he shows off like the atrocities and stuff it's like mountains of corpses in the ocean like juggernaut being like the doorman to avalon and i think it's the second issue opens up which is avalon on fire with like bodies and stuff everywhere like it's just like that really cool stuff bringing that element to a comic that was originally made for children to make it more mature and i think warren ellis just succeeds with that shit so hard yeah, how you mentioned the popular, or, uh, Juggernaut. I liked how they made him a monk because he, like, after, apparently after the death of Xavier, it, like, I guess it hit him hard. And then he basically, you know, he used to be the Juggernaut and go around killing people. And then once his brother died, he looked at his life and he became a monk. At the very end, whenever Shadow King's, like, causing all these problems, or no, right whenever uh, Dead Man Wade shows up and Nightcrawler's, like, telling him to fight. And he's like, <laughs> He ends up killing himself, apparently, with an aneurysm because he can't decide whether to... That's Fighting is bad, but he wants to fight. Fighting is bad, but he wants to fight. And then he just... His eye goes, like, all big and it collapses. Yeah, that's that sucked. I really hated that. I really like Juggernaut and the fact that you're hyping him up as, like, a reformed person. Oh, he's going to cut... Oh, no. He just... He died of a fucking aneurysm all of a sudden. What the fuck lame shit is that? And I also, I mean, it was, it was lame that it happened, but it kind of made sense. But it like, it's like, it's a, it's both sides. Like it's stupid, but it, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's, it's both. But oh. I might be an idiot here and may have just realized this now, but there was also more religious undertones in this was juggernaut always named Kane because of the Kane naval story with him versus Xavier. Or did Warren Ellis jump on that? No, his uh. name's King Martin. No, but yeah, Abel, but I never brother. really picked up. I never picked up on that. Yeah, because he killed his brother Abel. This is a very uh, Martha moment for me. <laughs> uh, well, no, his name's always been Kane Marco, and well, I don't I know if that's why that. they originally did that. But did he? Yeah, did he yeah. get into the whole pacifism thing? Like, did Warren Ellis use the story of Kane and Abel to develop this character the way it is? Is what I'm saying. I think he should write somebody an email and ask them. <laughs> He probably doesn't even remember this with all the freaking drugs he's done over the years. Well, Nightcrawler's stuck on a boat for a majority of this, and there's really not much more to say. He just shows up at Avalon. They fight. Oh, yeah, we, we mentioned it before, but Apocalypse sends his goonies or his cronies after him, which is Danny Moonstar, Dead Man Wade, which is Deadpool, and some other girl. Mesmer was her name? I can't remember her name. She's someone I'd never recognized before, but she's the person that defends. I don't know who she is. I think they made her up, and she's, like, obsessed with fur, apparently, because she also makes out with them has like really yeah well the, she, want, she initially wanted to, yeah she initially like her like her outfit's like a, a leopard print like her gloves are and some other stuff and it's like she wants to hunt nightcrawler just for his fur yeah but then she switches sides and then she's like all turned on because he has fur it's right she's a furry basically but i, I don't whatever yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Doug Ramsey's yeah. in this as well, and he gets murdered, so that's cool. That's probably my favorite part of the book because I hate Doug Ramsey. 
What's your problem with Cypher? He sucks. Yeah, he's got such a cool power. He sucks. He sucks. He's just a nerd that can read foreign languages. But yeah, somebody hasn't read the new uh, powers in House of X. <laughs> no, I haven't. I'm behind, man. I'm behind. Yeah. Uh, but they 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 get in a fight at the end, and Destiny agrees to go with my crawler back to Magneto, and that's it. I give this a two out of ten. Oof. Uh, I'll go with a four. Oof, I thought I was going to give it the lowest score with a five. Five, yeah. Well, that's probably your Ellis bias coming out. I mean, it had some cool shit in it. It didn't over, like the overall story. But I did, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just like the, the stuff that was in it, the content. The ideas were there, but just the execution, I thought, was just bad. And the art didn't help at all either. Actually, well, see, the one thing I hated about the art was the fact that in the second issue, they had Roger Cruz and somebody else fill in, I think it was. And, yeah. like, I, I honestly don't like Roger Cruz at all. He's like a Joe Midoriya wannabe and a really bad one at that. And I don't like his art style. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it myself. And I would have been better. I would have been happier if this book just kept uh, the same artist all the way through. You know, if you want to switch artists and go, like, one different one each book, that's fine. But why did you have to have one for one issue and then you went back to the regular artist for the other three it's like i said i I don't like roger cruz at all he's just a wannabe (laughs) a wannabe yeah i'm I'm not a fan of his art myself but i don't know we also talk about the part where nightcrawler realizes that Sabretooth is in his mother oh yeah 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 go ahead where's that (laughs) i mean that that's pretty much it (laughs) like what the fuck what do you mean he's in his mother he says like when he teleports he like teleports to a uh a an adjacent dimension and there's like there's a there's a panel of nightcrawler literally saying here i got it right here he's in my mother when i teleport i spend a fraction of a second in an adjacent dimension i'm praying that he uses the same space to make his transitions between hosts if i teleport oh, all yeah. three of us and switch back can extend our transition time it's like what the yeah that wasn't it's not uh saber you mean uh shadow king Oh, it was Shadow King. He was just—he looked like Sabretooth at yeah. the time when he saw him. Yeah, she. Yeah, yeah. That was really Deus Machina of them, and I'm like, what? Like you would? That was just—that was like a rush to get the book over with, and it's like, oh, yeah, that was that was stupid. Yeah, it was a very complicated way to beat him. Apparently, fucking Nightcrawler can teleport people's minds out of their heads or whatever possessions or something. Yeah, sure. Why not? Well, little, uh, little bizarre, but hey, they're calm. Well, we only had four, four pages left to tie up the book, so we had to do that, you know. Next and finally is X Universe, a book that said, "Hey, what's going on with the rest of the Marvel Universe while well, all the X Men are fucking around and on adventures and whatnot? Like, what's what's the Avengers doing? What's the Fantastic Four doing? Well, this is the book for you. It's a two issue mini." Like I said, it was by Scott Lobdell and Terry Cavanaugh and art by Carlos Pacheco. I think this may have been the worst book I've read out of the entire series so far. And that's saying really? so. Yeah, yeah. I did not like this book at all. It's It felt unneeded. It's just humans fighting against the resistance. And it's like, hey, look, here's – look at Daredevil. He looks different, doesn't he? He's a bad guy now, and he's working for Mikhail Gorbachev or whatever. Mikhail Rasputin. I like the first issue. I didn't like the second one. And because it just, I mean, again, it's just, they just rush through it and it's like, okay, you knew what was going to happen type stuff. But I like the beginning of the first issue when uh, Gwen Stacy, who's still alive, was trying to be, do like relief effort in Wakanda because apparently Black Panther's dead. And Wilson Fisk. Yeah, Wilson Fisk on his little the owl, arcade. Yeah, and uh, Norman Osborn are 
they're the marauders. human goons were hired for Apocalypse, and I thought that was kind of cool that they made them villains for all of like what two panels till they get all killed. Yeah, uh, it's more Dude, of that. Norman Osborn legit had cornrows and like yes. like dreadlocks. Yeah, he did. That was cool. It was so funny. It's, Love it's, it. It's just more characters that they're just throwing at you and then immediately getting rid of. Tony Stark becomes the, the white savior for Wakanda, bringing down all the relief. Not so. only bringing the relief, but dropping it on villains. All right, yeah, that was cool when he just killed Arcade by just dropping medical supplies from his airplane on top of him. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Being like, oh, hey, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm not really an identity politics guy or whatever, but it's just it kind of strikes you in the face when you see all these poor black children and you have this white guy just acting like Jesus, giving him all their medical supplies. I don't know. It hasn't aged well, I guess. And he's not even Iron Man. None of these characters are actually their alternate heroes. So you'll never see the Iron Man suit. You never get to see Thor. You never get to see, I mean, Cap's not in it, but you don't get to see Hawkeye's costume or anything like that. It, the Fantastic Four, half of them are dead. It's just uh, Ben and Sue, and they're just people. They're not invisible, and they're not Rocky. Doom's there, but he's not really doomy. I beg the question, why is there no Thor? Like, where's the hammer? What happened to Asgard? How much has that changed because of Xavier dying? It's a, uh, you know. I That's was... also because Thor is so fucking cool nowadays. Like, the Jason Aaron stuff is so awesome. Yeah, the Kate stuff. I don't know. Maybe they just didn't have any good ideas back then before. (laughs) Well, I was also expecting between these two issues for Donald Blake to turn into Thor at the end. I was waiting for that to drop because they kept kept drawing his cane in a way, like, that your eyes were led towards it. He's going to stomp the cane down and become Thor and fuck shit up for everyone. But it just never happens. He jumps out of Big Ben and kills the yeah. bad guy by bringing him down with... Oh, the Hulk shows up. That's right. Yeah. We forgot. The Hulk actually shows up <laughs> for what it's worth. Uh, the way metahumans... Yeah. They, they explain metahumans in this by uh, Mikhail Rasputin, one of the horsemen of the apocalypse. He enhances humans through his testing, but the, the results usually fail. They said it's uh, 999 out of 1,000 people die during the process or something to that effect. The people that survive, they get meta powers. So that's how the Hulk is created, and the Hulk's a pushover in this. He gets his ears shot off and he turns back into Bruce Banner. Just absolutely yeah. lame shit. I don't know. I like the idea of where are the other people, but it's completely anemic in every single way. You don't have the characters usually act like themselves except for Ben Grimm saying, I think he says it's clobbering time or something like that or some of his stupid catchphrases that he always says. But other than that, you could put another name over these people and you would not know the difference. Except for Daredevil because he has a thing over his eyes, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, Mr. Murdoch <laughs> is what he's called or whatever. What's funny is I feel like he almost looks exactly like Dead Man Wade, though, too. Yes. Just with a bandana on his face. Yeah, he does. Over his eyes. This this takes place, I think, during Weapon X, a little bit after Weapon X or whatever. It it seems a little unclear, but during the whole Human High Council over in Europe deal. Yeah, Yeah. it takes place after, like, the third issue of Weapon X, I think they say. Yeah, it's just just a nothing burger. This is absolutely not needed. Uh, I have nothing else to say on this book. Oof. I was going to say, the thing I thought was weird was at the beginning, they... They call, uh, I mean, Rasputin's, or Mikhail's supposed to be like a, like one of the horsemen. Of, he's like the forgotten or invisible horseman of Apocalypse, they call him. But then they also call him Prelate Rasputin. And I'm like, what the, what does Prelate, like, wouldn't he have a different title than Prelate for that? Yeah. You know, if he's supposed to be one of the horsemen. They mention him not being around in X-Men Alpha or something. But a lot of the other horsemen, we at least see them do something that makes them worthwhile or like, whatnot he doesn't really do anything with his powers which i'm not i don't even know what his powers are honestly it says he controls energy or something but i don't even know him i i never even read a story with him unless it was an earlier x-men book that i never read where he was in it 
to showcase what he can do or how badass he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know why he was a horseman alone. So I, I don't know. It just here's it jobs his character. It seems like so. Here's a question for you two. Name all four horsemen of the apocalypse right now. In this? Yes. Holocaust, uh, Sinister, Mikhail, uh, uh, and uh, Abyss. Who's the last one? Abyss. I don't know who that is. I guess we haven't seen him. Well, he didn't show up yet. Like well, we Ghost saw him Rider in Alpha. I don't think the Ghost Maybe. Rider. I don't know if he is. He showed up in X-Men Alpha briefly, but he, he doesn't show up until Amazing X-Men. Okay. I th- you said Sinister was one of them? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I thought. I can only think of Sinister and Mikhail. I don't know. Maybe it's because we haven't read the, the proper X-Men books yet. We didn't know it, but it just it just seems oh. like the Horsemen are non-existent. Holocaust. I knew that one. I, I completely forgot he existed. <laughs> yeah. Well, even read a book besides X-Men Alpha with him in it and the other stuff. The last time we referenced it was in X-Men Alpha, I think. I'll tell you what, though. Mikhail Rasputin's design is fucking cool. Yeah, he, he looks cool. It's just... He doesn't really do anything besides get killed by a crippled man <laughs> by getting pushed out of Big Ben. Yeah. I, I gave this a one. I, I I don't know if you guys have anything else to say about it. Actually, no. You know what? I'm changing that. I'm changing that to a zero. Oh, completely. rough. It is completely not necessary. If you never read this, you probably would have been better off. And after you read it, you'd be like, well, what's the point? Because it ends with them hmm. just blowing. It, it either ends with a nuke going off. Or everything going back to normal because there was a white flash and this was the end of the books. No, I was reading it. It was it was really confused. Well, maybe I was just me at the end because like they they all leave Earth. The ships are flying. It's not even that they're piloting the ships to go do the uh, nuclear bombardment in Weapon X four. They are leaving it. Earth to go. Well, it, it could have been. It's probably. It's probably what happens at the end of uh, X-Men Omega is what I'm going to say. Yeah, it's it's just like um, in the Legion Quest get... thing with the Flash and the Mkron Crystal. So this was just a complete waste of time, I think, personally. I don't know. I don't want to rain on your guys' parade, but maybe you guys can convince me otherwise. But yeah, zero for me. I'll give it a one only because the first issue is worthwhile reading. The second issue is crap. Uh, I, I liked that they told you, you know, these again, I, they, they had Gwen Stacy was alive again at Peter Parker's at the end of the first issue. They tell you, like, Peter Parker's dead and Black Panther's dead and Namor's dead and all these other characters are dead and how they died. And it just again, it shows you the impact that Apocalypse had on the Marvel Universe. In the first issue, it was OK. But then by the second issue, again, it just got to the end. It just there were for all the character buildup that they had in the first one it just sped along to the end real fast and there was nothing there. Yeah. I mean, I'll agree in the sense that the second issue was definitely not as good as the first, but I thought the first issue was really, really good. Um, I thought it was really cool to see where the characters are at. And even though I didn't necessarily like where they were at, they at least had the book to show you. And I thought it was pretty interesting and it's supposed to be an else world. So you want to see some new shit and some different shit. And I think that delivered so I'm going to go with a six overall. Yeah, I didn't think you guys would hate it that much. You know, I also forgot to get our MVPs and WVPs for every book. If you guys wanted to uh, go over Factor X real quick, who would, uh, Chris, who would your MVP and WMVP be? I guess uh, worst would be Angel and most would be Cyclops. Uh, my MVP is Dark Beast and my worst character is cyclops wait did you say for all these or just for factor x factor x no this is just factor x okay i was gonna say my mvp is dark beast and my wvp for factor x is uh polaris 
because she shows up. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember Polaris was in this book. Yeah, she shows up for one issue. I, I still think Cyclops is the worst, worst character than her, because she at least like knocks out like Aurora and Northstar pretty easily. So we'll do it again, Chris. What about X Men? X Men. Um, gotta give it to Forge. Forge was fucking cool. He looked really neat. Every time he shows up in an X Men book, he's very interesting. I feel worst. Uh, let's uh, Grizzly, just because I was mad he wasn't Juggernaut. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, I go with Forge for MVP and WVP. Uh, I'm gonna go with Cyclops again. <laughs> okay, for me, uh, I agree. Forge is probably the best character. He's a good father figure in that book. Um, WVP for me is Mastermind. He's completely useless and he gets murked right away. Uh, complete waste of space and time. Excalibur. Hmm. Excalibur. Guess we'll give it to Kane, Marco, the Juggernaut, as the monk. The most valuable. MVP. Yeah, that or the the mountain of corpses in the ocean. <laughs> um, <laughs> the worst. It has to be a tie between either Mystique or Shadow King. Really? Okay. Mystique. We did we mention Mystique was in this? Yeah, briefly. Briefly. Well, it's a Nightcrawler story. MVP. I'm gonna go with Nightcrawler because he's a badass. And MVP or uh, WVP. What's the stupid girl's name that changes sides? The mask. The mask. Yeah, I'm gonna go with her because I. You don't even know what she does, and she's got a kink for Nightcrawler that's weird, and she's just a dumb character. Hey man, you want to go watch the mask later? <laughs> um, sorry. My my WVP is gonna be Doug Ramsey, as I mentioned before. He sucks ass. He's lame. I'm glad he's dead. No way, man. He he's able to make it so that everybody in Avalon can communicate on the same language length. Who Come on, cares? that's pretty badass. Who actually well, you suck. You know what? No, 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 no. You know what? You're going to you know, when we all go, you're going to be outside the bubble. So everybody's going to be speaking the the same language and you're going to be like, "I don't speak Russian. I don't know what they were saying. They're yeah. making fun of me." There is someone worse than Doug Ramsey in this book and her name is Switchback. We didn't, we didn't even talk yeah. about her and she's one of the main characters and she's that useless we didn't even need to talk about her to bring up how the entire story played out that's why this that's another reason why this book is so bad she was like the main yeah i didn't her ability is like to reset her her timeline by 10 seconds or something yes, I, she can wait, go back what? in time 10 seconds that's how she helps defeat the shadow <laughs> king because they're able to rewind when he moves body to body and nightcrawler can teleport in the same dimension as him and they rewind to find him in slow motion but yeah she is definitely my wvp my mvp for this oh my god um the madri i think the madri are in this in the background and they're really cool they show up in all the other books too but i think everyone sucks in this book so yeah it's the madri for me <laughs> it's a lame pick but you I didn't like, like dead man wade no not really because he's not deadpool he's just <laughs> he's just generic murder man so yeah it, like if he was more deadpool it probably would have been him but like more like Ellis, if Ellis kept him instead of adding Shadow King, it probably would have been a better character. And finally, X yeah, it probably would have been if, if like they had like once Nightcrawler ripped his head off, if, if his body like grew another head and his head grew another body, and then just kept multiplying, that would have been pretty badass. Yeah, like he could have like, been, cool. been teaming up with the Madrig or whatever. All right, and X Universe WMVP and MVP Chris WMVP is going to be um, Doom because. He was barely a doom. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So get it. It's an X Men thing, but still most valuable player though. I'm gonna say Ben Grimm because I like Ben Grimm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jonathan. Uh, w MVP. I'm gonna or WVP. Whatever. Worst character. Can I say us for having to write it? We're not characters in the book. <laughs> oh, okay. Crap. All right. Uh. It's hard to pick the worst character, but they all suck ass, isn't it? I'm going to go with Mikhail because honestly, for being a horseman, he gets. It's not like he doesn't. Like, he's not that impressive. I mean, I don't know why he got the status of horseman when these jobber humans could take him down easily, not even being Thor. And MVP, I'm going to go with the kid at the very beginning that dies and didn't have to live through the rest of the story. <laughs> Okay, my my worst valuable is also Mikhail for being a horseman of the apocalypse. He kind of just stands around and talks to politicians a lot in the human council. Doesn't really do anything. And then he gets killed by Donald Blake by getting pushed out of Big Ben's clock tower, which is super lame. My MVP is going to be the airdrop that killed Arcade because that was the only <laughs> enjoyable thing in the book. There you have it. The averages for these so far... So far as in they're going to change. Factor X is a total of 4.6. X-Man, 6.6. X-Universe, 2.3. Chris saved that from being a smoking crater in the ground. And Excalibur, (laughs) 3.6. Next episode, we're going to look at Astonishing, Amazing, and X-Men Omega. Again, to make up for lost time. And that'll be the end of the Age of Apocalypse. We'll have a few more books after that, like the Uncanny X4 stuff in the Age of Apocalypse series that came out after that. That will be... Yeah, we... What's that? Uh, nothing I was going to ask, because we initially had a pretty extensive read list. Are we going to slim that down to further our uh, next uh, run, or...? Possibly, because, yeah, you know, I want Chris to actually pick something before 2021, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those, those are going to be the next couple of books, and then we'll have the Age of Apocalypse and Uncanny X-Force stuff. Don't have my emails on me right now. My phone's not here. It's in another room, but running out of time anyways. We'll, we'll do something special. I got a couple segments planned. I wanted to have them done for this episode, but it's not. Um, something to do with comicbookresources.com and their wonderful content there. Read. It's not that great. It might be one of the worst websites in the world. This is coming from one of the worst podcasts in the world, but hey. Uh, we're better than comic book resources. Oh, my God, dude. It's just... Quick side story, quick tangent. Whenever you bring up Google on your phone for an Android, uh, I know you have an iPhone, but it'll give you stuff that like you they thinks you'll like from aggregating your searches and whatnot. And I'm constantly bombarded with clickbait titles from comic book resources that just make me want to pull my hair out. I got to find out how to. Turn I am astonished that now the news feed on my iPhone is getting me giving me stories from comic book resources, and they're like some of the stuff's okay. But some of their lists they have, I'm like, who is writing this crap? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> like, what I'm going to bring we up. We could do a whole segment. podcast. We could do a whole podcast of some of the dumbest lists that so these pull bags that are getting paid to write this stuff are well, writing. Well, because it's like really. That's going to be one of the segments coming up. I, I've been reading through these stupid listings, and I, I, I don't want to kill myself, but I, I regret reading them. And I'm also been doing something with uh, adult websites and source filmmaker that I want to play a game with, with you guys, which will hopefully be fun. Uh, leave that tease out there right there. If you don't know what source filmmaker is, Jonathan, you should Google that on your own time in incognito mode. Okay. Um, but to give us an email that we'll read next time, 
we'll send that to you got to send that to the run pod at gmail.com the run pod at gmail.com thank you chris and that is going to do it for us today uh sorry for the delay like i said hopefully this will not happen again and if it does we'll try to figure out some buffer episodes in between and as we get back on our feet and knock all the fucking podcast rust off us with all these ums and ums that i'm probably gonna edit out so fellas be safe and until next time until next time to be continued don't get sick <laughs>